So, yeah, let me get into now um, Shukran Wahide's um, discussion here at the end of the words. So remember the words is the first book in a um, set of four main books of the Risale Inur collection. Um, uh, yeah, right at the end there, you know, she talks about the Dizaman and, and you know, and his Risale Inur. Uh, so I'm going to get straight into that. Um, and, yeah, she'll talk about, like, um, you know, the background to why he wrote this, okay? Um, and in doing so, she'll talk a bit about him as well. Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. About the Risale Nur, the words and their author. Okay. The words forms the first part of the Risale Nur collection, a Quranic commentary. Right? It's a kind of tafsir. A Quranic commentary exceeding 5,000 pages, which was written in Turkish, in Ottoman Turkish, by the most significant Islamic scholar this century. Bedizuman Said Nursi, in order to prove and explain the truths of belief to contemporary Muslims and modern man. In Bedizuman's view, in the face of the assaults of materialist philosophy at the present time, the question which takes priority over all else for Muslims is the saving and strengthening of belief. For it is only in belief in God that man's true happiness and progress and the cure for the wounds caused to him by materialism and misguidance are to be found. Bedizuman devoted his life and learning to the achievement of these goals. Bedizuman Said Nursi was born in 1877 in eastern Turkey and died in 1960 in Urfa in Turkey. Readers may refer to his biography for details of his long and exemplary life which spanned the last decades of the Ottoman Empire, its collapse after the First World War and the setting up of the Republic, modern Republic of Turkey. Then the 25 years of Republican People's Party rule, well known for the measures taken against Islam, followed by the 10 years of Democrat Party rule, when conditions ease a little for Bedouzaman. Here we shall mention just a few points which are relevant to the, to the Risale Nur and will assist in understanding the words. Right, so this collection here says that. With this same aim, some general points about the Risale Nur are included and the method, which is particular to Bediuzzaman, that it employs for teaching the Quranic truths. Bediuzzaman, so Bediuzzaman, wonder of the age. Yeah? Wonder of the age, that's what it translates into. Okay. It's an honorific title that, that, that he was given by his early teachers. Okay. Uzaman displayed an extraordinary intelligence and ability to learn from an early age. Completing the normal course of madrasa education at the early age of 14, when he obtained his diploma. He became famous at that point for both his prodigious memory and his unbeaten record in debating with other religious scholars. Another characteristic Bedizaman displayed from an early age was an instinctive, dis instinctive dissatisfaction with the existing education system, which, when older, he formulated into comprehensive proposals for its reform. The heart of these proposals was the bringing together and joint teaching of the traditional religious sciences and the modern sciences, together with 
the founding of a university in the eastern provinces of the empire, the Medrese to Zehra, where this and his other proposals would be put into practice. In 1907, his endeavours in this field took him to Istanbul and an audience with Sultan Abdul Hamid. Although subsequently he twice received funds for the construction of his university and its foundations were laid in 1913, it was never completed due to war and the vicissitudes of the times. Contrary to the practice of the religious scholars at that time, Beduzaman himself studied and mastered almost all the physical and mathematical sciences and later studied philosophy for he believed that it was only in this way that Islamic theology, right, scholastic theology, kalam, could be renewed and successfully answer the attacks to which the Qur'an and Islam were then being subjected. In the course of time, the physical sciences had been dropped from madras education, which had contributed directly to the Ottoman decline relative to the advance of the West. Now, in the 19th and early 20th centuries, Europe had gained dominance over the Islamic world and in efforts to extend its dominance was attacking the Qur'an and Islam in the name of science and progress in particular, falsely claiming them to be incompatible. Within the empire, right, the Ottoman Empire too, were a small minority who favoured adopting Western philosophy and civilization. Thus, all Bediruzaman's endeavour was to prove and demonstrate the falseness of these accusations and that far from being incompatible with science and progress, the Qur'an was the source of true progress and civilization. And in addition, since this was the case, Islam would dominate in the future, despite its relative decline and regression at that time. The years up to the end of the First World War were the final decades of the Ottoman Empire and were in the words of Beduzaman, the period of the old Said. Okay, so this is the period back when Beduzaman was politically active. Okay. He strove to serve the cause of the empire and Islam through active involvement in social life and the public domain. In the war, he commanded the militia forces on the Caucasian front against the, invasion, against the invading Russians, for which he was later rewarded a war medal. To maintain the morale of his men, he himself disdained to enter the trenches, right? so he himself entered the trenches in spite of the constant shelling. Right? So as commander, he himself entered the trenches in, in spite of the constant shelling, and it was while withstanding the overwhelming assaults of the enemy that he wrote his celebrated Quranic commentary, right? the Signs of Miraculous, Signs of Miraculousness, Sharatul Ijaz. Um, dictating to a scribe while on horseback. Stating that the Qur'an encompasses the signs which make known the physical world, the commentary is an original and important work which brings together the religious and modern sciences in the way Beduzaman proposed. Beduzaman was taken prisoner in March 1916 and held in Russia for two years, before escaping in early 1918 and returning to Istanbul via Warsaw, Berlin and Vienna. The defeat of the Ottomans saw the end of the empire and its dismemberment 
and the occupation of Istanbul and parts of Turkey by foreign forces. These bitter years saw also the transformation of the old Sayyid into the new Sayyid, the second main period of Bediüzzaman's life. Despite the acclaim he received and services he performed as, the, as a member of the Darul Hikmatul Islamiyah, right, so the House of Islamic Wisdom, Okay, so he performed services there. So despite the acclaim that he received and, and the services that he performed there and his combating the British, Bediüzzaman underwent a profound mental and spiritual change in the process of which he turned his back on the world. And realising the inadequacy of the human science and philosophy he had studied as a means of reaching the truth, he took the revealed Qur'an as his sole guide. In recognition of his services to the independence struggle, right, so it ends up being a war like in which the occupying forces are, um, you know, um, uh, are kicked out. Um, so in recognition of his services to the independence struggle, Bediüzzaman was invited to Ankara, right, the capital, right, by Mustafa Kemal, out of Turk. Right? But on arrival there, found at the very time of the victory of the Turks and Islam, atheistic ideas were being propagated among the deputies, right, so the members of parliament. So atheistic ideas are being propagated among the deputies and, and officials and many were lax in performing their religious duties. Right, so they weren't praying and stuff. Okay? He published various works which successfully countered this. Remaining some eight months in Ankara, Bediuzman understood the way Mustafa Kemal and the new leaders were going to take, right? so he saw the path they were going to take, and on the one hand, that he could not work alongside them, and on the other, that they were not to be combated in the realm of politics. Right? So he saw the futility of trying to you know, battle them polit politically. And so, when offered various posts and benefits by Mustafa Kemal, he declined them and left Ankara for Van, right, out in eastern Turkey where he withdrew into a life of worship and tefakur, contemplation. He was seeking the best way to proceed. Within a short time, Bediüzzaman's fears about the new regime began to be realised. The first steps were taken towards secularisation and reducing the power of Islam within the state and even its eradication from Turkish life. Okay. So I think I mentioned last week, you know, the whole raft of measures that were put in um, place at that point, you know, you were forced to wear the Western peak cap. Um, you know, Islamic headgear was forbidden. You know, especially the sarik, um, you know, the turban, uh, that was all forbidden. Um, like the study of the Quran and, and its teaching were forbidden. Like, not, certainly, this couldn't be done like publicly. Like, you know, you'd have to, you know, uh, do that in the privacy of your own own home. Um, you know, the all the madrasas, all the um, you know the the Sufi places of worship were all shut down. Um, and in the mosques, for example, uh, the azan was not allowed to be called um, uh, at all. At first, there was no azan allowed to be called. Um, but then uh, later, it was allowed to be called again, but only in Turkish. Okay, uh, and it was only much later that it was originally, uh, eventually, um, you know, uh, you know, began being called in Arabic again. So a raft of measures um, of that of that sort, you know, uh, which were policed. Um, very uh, stringently, right? You know, you would be arrested, you would be imprisoned, uh, just failing to wear a hat. Okay, so.
Okay, so where was I? Okay, so the first steps were taken towards that secularization process and reducing the power of Islam within the state and even its eradication from Turkish life. In early 1925, there was a rebellion in the east. Okay, so they didn't take this lying down. Of course, you know, uh, there was, a, there was uh, an uprising um, in the east, but Bediüzzaman played no part in that. Okay. But as a consequence of which, right, so despite playing no part in it, as a consequence of it, he was sent into exile in western Anadolu, Anatolia, along with many hundreds of others. Thus unjustly began 25 years of exile, okay, imprisonment and unlawful oppression for Bediüzzaman. He was sent to Barla, a tiny village in the mountains of Sparta province. However... The attempt to entirely isolate and silence him had the reverse effect. For Bediuzzaman was both prepared and uniquely qualified to face the new challenge. These years saw the writing of the Risale Nur, which silently spread and took root, combating in the most constructive way the attempt to uproot Islam and the unbelief in materialist philosophy it was hoped to instill in the Muslim people of Turkey. Thus, it may be seen from this that the Risale Nur was written to expound and explain the truths of the Quran and belief to modern man, bewildered by the assaults of materialist philosophy, so that he may attain true and certain uh, belief, which will not be shaken by those assaults. Okay, so true and certain belief there. That what, what that's referring to is a imana um, tahkiki. Uh, so you know, the Zaman differentiates between two sorts of beliefs: taklidi, uh, imitative belief, right? So you know, hey, my parents taught me, you know, to practice the religion. Let's pretend, uh, you know, they, you know, they instructed me to practice it, um, and so just, just on the basis of imitation just on the basis of seeing my parents or my community uh, worship, right? I could worship in that way, right? That would be imitative. Um, the kind of faith that Bedouzaman's uh, wanting us to uh, attain by writing the Risale is not that kind, but rather a... rather a takiki, uh, a certain verified faith, right? Um, you know, so one where you actually go and investigate the various truths of belief, right? Um, and satisfy yourself as to their veracity, all right, a little bit more to go. I might not read. Uh, she was a little bit longer than I thought. Um, uh, yeah, I might just pick some bits and pieces to read, um, not to use up all our time. Uh, thus, it may be seen from this that the Risale in order was written to expound and explain the truths of the Quran and belief to modern man. Okay. Um, and ex in explaining these truths, the Risali Nur demonstrates the Quran's superiority in every respect. And although, in order not to cause aversion, philosophy's ideas are rarely openly stated, right? it is in fact a refutation of materialist Western philosophy. So, what happens is people sometimes complain hey, um, in the Risali Nur, I don't get, you know, um, like, why don't I see the premises of the Western philosopher? Like, why, doesn't, um, why don't I just see like a syllogism, right, containing, you know, the premises of, you know, the atheist argument or whatever, or, you know, um, and, and, and then like the conclusion that follows from those premises so that I can then, you know, um, uh, you know see it, um, 
you know, in, in very plainly and then attack it. Um, like Bedizaman doesn't write in that sort of way. You know, he doesn't state the other side's, um, uh, you know, uh, premises or even their rebuttals of our premises uh, in that sort of very explicit way. Uh, it's more, I guess it's sort of, uh, you know, how could you put it? It's, um, it's less an exercise in um, um, analytic philosophy, you know, as it's probably closer to, um, uh, you know, a continental you know, uh, the continental style, right? You know, if you're familiar with that. Um, yeah, like it's more, you know, discursive, right? Uh, okay. So, yeah, so in order not to cause aversion, philosophies, ideas are rarely openly stated, right? But despite that, it is, in fact, a, a, a refutation of materialist Western philosophy. Um, but it should be stated here that Bedizaman was not anti-Western as such, Indeed, he differentiated between harmful and beneficial philosophy and hoped for the salvation of all mankind, right? Even the West. Right? Nonetheless, he was uncompromising against the unbelief and atheism which is opposed to religion. In recent times, the weapon of this unbelief and atheism has mostly been materialist philosophies such as positivism, right? so logical positivism, naturalism, Right? which use science to justify their ideas. Skip ahead now. Um, Okay, so talks now. Should talk now about um, how he starts off writing. Okay. Um, As the new Sayyid, Badizaman had immersed himself in the Quran, searching for a way to relate its truths to modern man. Right? In Barla, in his isolation, he began to write treatises explaining and proving these truths. For now, the Quran itself and the truths were under direct attack. The first of these was on the resurrection of the dead, which in a unique style proves bodily resurrection rationally, right, which even the greatest scholars previously had confessed their uh, impotence to do. He described the method employed in this as consisting of three stages. The, right, so this is how he generally proceeds, right? First, Allah's existence is proved. Then his names and attributes are proved. Then the resurrection of the dead is constructed on these and proved. Now, Bedizaman did not ascribe those writings to himself, but said that they proceeded from the Quran itself, right? They flowed from the nur of the Quran, he said, okay? Uh, in other words, they were a product of ilham in a very direct sense, okay? Um, right, they proceeded from the Quran itself, they were rays shining out from its truths. In numerous of its verses, the Holy Quran invites man to observe the universe and to reflect on the, acti on the divine activity within it. Following just this method, Bedouzaman provides proofs, proofs and explanations for the truths of belief. He likens the universe to a book, right? So this is probably critical, right, to understand Bedouzaman's method in the Risale Nur, okay? This is what he, exactly what he does. He likens the universe to a book, and looking at it in the way shown by the Qur'an, that is, 
reading it for its meaning, its true meaning, learns of the divine names and attributes and other truths of belief. <coughs> this book's purpose, right, so the, referring to the universe as a book here, right, this book's purpose is to describe its author and maker. Right? And in this book, beings, right, so the physical and non-physical phenomena in the universe, they become evidences and signs to their creator. Thus, an important element in the way of the Risale Nur is tefakur, reflection or contemplation, reading the book of the universe in order to increase in marifetullah, knowledge of Allah, and to obtain that certain, um, you know, that tahkiki, that certain verified belief in all the truths of belief that we referred to earlier. Beduzaman demonstrates that the irrefutable truths, such as divine unity, arrived at in this way, are the only rational and logical explanation of the universe. And making comparisons with naturalist and materialist philosophy, which have used science's findings about the universe to deny those truths, show the concepts on which they are based, such as causality and nature, to be irrational and logically absurd. Okay. Um. I might finish the readings there, guys. You know, so just you can read the rest yourself. It's literally the last. Um, by the way, you can actually access this for free. You can access all the books of the Risalinu for free um, on um, just via Google search. But in particular, um, there's a website um, uh, uh, in English and Turkish known as E Risale, right? E and then just Risale, uh, and it's like a. Uh, looks like very much like a Google page, like it's like a, a search engine. Um, on the left-hand side are all the main books to this alien. You can just come on and, and read them for free. Um, at the end of um, the first book, the words, yeah, just a um, couple more pages, you know, where she continues sort of just talking about the Duzaman um, and, you know, the um, a, little about, a little bit about um, the effect that the movement had, you know, how it grew and so on. Uh, um, but the main thing, you know, to take... Uh, <coughs> I think the main thing, you know, um, to take um, from what we've read, especially that last part there, you know, um, like which I think, you know, roughly what we spoke about last week, you know, so last week we spoke about how, um, you know, uh, um, like Badizaman refers to the... Um, Bedizaman points in one of his treatises uh, to the motions of particles, like you weren't here, brother, but um, so uh, he talks about how Allah employs minute particles, you know, um, to make known his beauty and perfection in the universe, right? So, you know, um, there's a plan for how this universe will play out to achieve those divine aims that I spoke about, you know, uh, at the start. Um, how does Allah put that plan into motion, right? It's actually through the motions and vibrations or transformations, whatever you know, expression you want to use, the actual changes the particles undergo. You know, um, so yeah, we spoke about that last week. You know, um, that's very much um, you know Bedouzman's way of you know arguing for Allah's existence. You know, uh, it's very uh, typical of you know the Salihun's method. Um, what lies at the heart of that? discussion um, is just this notion that hey um, like why do we think the particles um, 
you know, I mean, look, we can we can assert as much as we like that particles are, you know, moved by Allah, right? We can assert that all day if we want. But why do we think that? Well, what what is there to commend that belief to us? Um, well, it's just this, you know, what she refers to, um, what the translator refers to just in that last paragraph that we read, you know, um, that, like, really, right, other things like nature with a capital N, you know, as it's uh, referred to there, right, nature with a capital N or associated concepts like um, uh, physical law, you know, um, um, you know, the neo-Darwinian paradigm, right, all those sorts of um, alternative explanations, right, for the phenomena in the universe. Right? Um, actually, they're all quite, when you think about them carefully, you see they're all quite impotent. Right, to account for the phenomena that they're being used to account for. All right. um, so that's sort of, that's, uh, I guess, one of Bidjizman's main premises. You know? That's, um, yeah, the sort of uh, way that he proceeds, if you will. You know? He proceeds, um, yeah, along that, uh, you know, utilising that particular method. Hey, um, you know, that tree cannot itself account, uh, you know, what, like what is it? It's just a lump of wood, right? It cannot itself account for uh, a pomegranate, right, or you know, a banana or whatever. Okay, um, uh, you you get that banana, you eat it, and it nourishes you in certain ways, right? Um, the tree does not know your needs. Um, right? It doesn't have any um, knowledge. It doesn't have any life. It doesn't. Well, um, you know, maybe it has a sort of biological life. Okay, it's a tree. Um, you know, it has a life of a certain sort, but it doesn't have a uh, life in the sense that we understand it, right? It doesn't have a ruh, <laughs> all right? It doesn't have a ruh. Um, it doesn't have consciousness, intelligence, doesn't have knowledge. It doesn't have those sorts of faculties. It can't itself be producing that fruit, all right? Um, so once this is pointed out to someone, then it becomes a lot easier to see that, oh, okay, well, if the tree can't account for it, and if... Um, other things in the universe can't account for that banana that I eat. Um, indeed, if the particles from which it's made even cannot account for it, um, then, um, and if what the universe really is is just a set of particles that move in certain ways, if that's what the universe really is, then, then, then nothing else is left by which to explain the banana that I eat or the phenomena that I observe. Um, so from there it follows that we need to explain it by reference to a being that can um, that does have the faculties, that does have the names and attributes uh, by which to be able to explain it. Right? So that's, you know, um, in general, Bedouzaman's um, style of argument. But notice what happens, guys, right? Here's the thing. Like, this is not to be reduced to um, an apologetic work. Right? This is not to be reduced to, um, like, uh, just, um, you know, a work of kalam. Right? It's not like just a set of arguments proving certain things. It's not just that. That's just um, part of a wider process. Right? Um, it's part of a, a deeper process. What's that process? Like, remember, that's why I always, um, you know, like whenever we sort of come back, you know, at the start of a new semester and I meet a new bunch of brothers, like, I always hasten to point this out. You know, but Bedouzaman's really trying to do, he's not just trying to prove Allah's existence, uh, you know, or his unity and, and, and refute naturalism and stuff like that. Um, he's providing us a basis, right? He's giving us the impetus to worship Allah, right? He's giving us the means by which to worship Allah, okay? Um, so how does this point to worship, right? Well, let's, you know, let's 
finish by reiterating that, you know. Um, in providing an argument like that, like, what does that have to do with worship, right? Like, in one sense, it could just mean this, well, now that I know that Allah exists, um, now I'll go and do my five daily prayers and stuff like that, you know. In the one sense, you know, it can be understood like that. Um, but that's not what it's really saying. That's only, that would be just a minuscule part of what it's saying, right? Um, you know, what, rather, what Bidduzaman is calling us to here is just a constant state of worshipfulness, Okay, um, so does that mean that I need to be, you know, um, doing zikr or salah um, 24 hours a day? Not necessarily, you know. It's good if you can do that. It's certainly not, you know, bad. You know? If you can, like, as the hadith goes, if you can keep your tongue um, always wet with zikr, that's great. Okay, um, in the physical sense, right? If you can keep your tongue wet with zikr, that's great, right? Well, what Betisman's giving us the impetus to do with arguments like that is to keep our tongue wet with zikr in a more um, figurative sense as well, right? Like he wants us to be worshipful at all times. Like at all times, he wants us to be able to notice divine beauty being manifested, right? Um, and thereby, yeah, you know, fulfill the main aim of the worshipper like what worship is like what salah is it's just it's meant to just be this like i mean salah shouldn't just be done sans what i'm about to say now right it, if it's done in the absence of what i'm about to say it's not really um uh, benefiting you much um yeah it's benefiting you quite minimally right um like salah is meant to be done like this isn't it okay um i go out into the world um, you know, uh, I travel through the world, um, I go and, um, I don't know, have a job, have a family, have friends, uh, you know, engage in the world, engage in life in all the different ways that it can be engaged in, right? Um, experience beauty in virtue of that, right? See beauty everywhere, uh, be in awe of that, you know, be in wonder of that, be full of gratitude at that, and then go and express that, um, you know, commencing with Allahu Akbar um, and all the, you know, various motions and words of salah. You know, um, if your salah isn't imbibed with that kind of meaning, uh, you know, um, all it does really, it just means that, hey, um, you know, you don't have to do the qaza for that. Right? You don't have to perform the qaza for that salah. You did it, right? You know, you did it with the minimal khushu, let's say. Um, you know, you did it with the absolute minimal khushu in the sense that at least you got the motions right. At least you concentrated enough to get the motions right. You know, it doesn't often happen that we don't even do that, right? Often it happens that we forget, for example, how many rekas we just prayed and so on, right? You know, um, but let's pretend I have enough khushu to at least not um, do that, and I at least you know have performed the right number of rekats. Uh, so what does that mean that I don't have to repeat that particular salah? Yeah, that's it. That's the only benefit you get from it. And it's still a, look. It's still like I shouldn't. Um, you know, uh, belittle it because it's still important. <laughs> Come day of judgment, it's still going to be important to you, right? Um, but that that cannot be compared to a salah in the true sense of the word, you know? Like, you know, the salah of the sahaba, uh, the, the salah of the Prophet, peace be upon him, right? Um, like, it was a salah in the true sense of the word. Like, you know, um, because they knew that everything is pointing to Allah, like everywhere they looked, they would see the divine names and attributes being manifested. Everywhere they looked, in every action, in everything they ate, right? In every skill or attribute or perfection they themselves manifested, right? They saw, right, they were able to draw an inferential line directly to Allah, okay? They knew that it was due directly to Allah. So they saw, they saw his beauty and perfection shine everywhere, 
um, so that when they perform salah, you know, they could perform it and give it its due. That's why, for example, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, some of the Sahaba, like, you know, uh, when they perform salah, uh, if they had like an arrow in their back or something, they would ask for it to be removed while they were performing salah because they wouldn't feel the pain at that point, you know. So engrossed were they in their salah. You know, uh, how does one attain a state like that? You wonder, right? You know, have you ever thought, have you ever sat and thought, how can I be like, you know, Ali? How can I be like him? How can I perform salah like him and not feel pain, you know, when uh, an arrow is removed from my back or something, right? Um, you know, surely that's just a pipe dream, you might have thought, right? Um, well, it just, uh, it just comes about as, as, as a um, result of being able to see the world for what it really is, right? Being able to read the book of the universe from its manai harfi perspective, right? Being able to see everything as having a meaning that looks beyond itself um, to some other. And who's that other? It's, it's creator, right? It's Allah. Okay. If you can train yourself to see the world that way, um, then certain, you're going to see certain changes in yourself, right? You know, no longer do you, you know, you're not going to camp out outside the uh, rock star's apartment. You know, you're going to do things like that, you know, figuratively speaking, right? You know what I mean, right? You're not going to do things of that genre, you know. Um, you know, um, and especially your own, um, the good that you yourself, I mean, that's the main thing, right? You know, um, you know, you might say, hey, I don't, you know, I don't worship anybody else, right? Um, but you might still worship yourself. I think that's the, you know, when, 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 persons worship someone other than Allah, generally it's going to be themselves, right? Uh, generally what they're going to do, as the Qur'an tells us, they're going to take their desires as their God, okay? Um, they're going to live, in other words, to satiate their desires. Like Their decisions are going to be made, taking into account not Allah, but their own desires, okay? Uh, that's what the verse is referring to, right? Um, you know, so, yeah, you're going to find that... Um, like you don't become that sort of person, right? You're gonna, uh, you know, if if you if if you be, you know, the, the student, the disale in order, for example, right? Um, you know, the person who's learnt to see things for their other indicative meaning, right? Um, yeah, all the good that you yourself do, all the good that you yourself do, you're no longer gonna ascribe that to yourself. You know, I mean, that's a key step. That's a key key step. That's a very hard thing to do because what happens, like, um, you know, and we'll discuss this at greater length, like, in the future, like, when we talk about, um, you know, uh, you know, qadr and divine power and things like that, you know. Um, but, you know, what happens is that it becomes very difficult, like, to ascribe something uh, to Allah when it really does feel like it's you who does it, right? So, for example, like, you go out and you work all day, yeah? Right? You go and you know you go to a workplace. You toil for eight hours. You earn some money, and with that money, you go and buy some food for your family, or whatever. Right? Um, it sort of becomes very difficult not to ascribe that to yourself, right? without this sort of training. You know, without being in the habit of always viewing um, things as pointing not to you but to Allah. So uh, um, it looks like it looks like. Um, you know, when I go and work and I provide for my family, that I am um, showing generosity to my family, right? You know, it's an act of generosity from me to my family. Um, and in one sense of the word, it is. Um, but that act of generosity, it's got to be analysed in a certain way. It's got to be understood in a certain way. What, what's happening there is that I'm mirroring Allah's generosity. 
right? And in doing that, I'm coming to have an experiential knowledge of his name, of Kerim, for example, and so on, you know. But we'll talk more about all of that, you know, uh, in the future. But, yeah, in general, like, what I wanted to say is that... Um, I just wanted to finish on that point that, you know, um, so, yeah, like the whole aim of the Risale Nur uh, is that, you know, to bring about, to bring it about that you can be that sort of worshipper, that sort of worshipful person, you know. Um, so, yeah, again, you know, for that, it's for that reason that Bedizma wouldn't have wanted us to, you know, focus on him, uh, you know, any more than what we've already done. Um, yeah, you know, you know, sure, he's the author of this, but, you know, actually what he does say is this, you know, um, like there's one part of the Risale Nur, actually it's interesting to read, right, where he does this, right? He has this sort of conversation with his own nafs, right? Um, and, you know, he sort of debates himself, right? Um, you know, and at one point his nafs, his nafs says to him, well, you know, hey, um, you know, uh, don't you deserve some acclaim at least, you know, don't you, you know, words to this effect, don't you deserve some acclaim, right? Like in the sense that, um, you know, uh, um, like you have been chosen to be the author of this, right? So even if you say, right, you said talking to himself here, even if you say that you know this is vi ilham and that really you know this is just um, you know a commentary on the meanings of certain you know verses of the Quran, um, so that really if there's any nur in it, if there's any beauty in it, it really proceeds from the nur and the beauty of the Quran, right? Even if that's all true, Bedizman argues with himself. Well, isn't it? Aren't you still someone special? Because you have been chosen to be the one um, who writes out this, um, you know, treatise that, you know, reflects the nur of the Qur'an, right? You know, don't you deserve some acclaim for that at least? And how he convinces himself that he doesn't is just by saying that, no, 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 the reason why he's been chosen to write this is for no other reason than just this, that he is more in need of this knowledge than anybody else. He is inferior to anybody else. Right? Um, he is more in need of guidance than anybody else so that, you know, in Allah's mercy, um, he made it known to him before anyone else. Right? Um, so, you know, what a, what, what a wondrous humility. You know? I mean, what, like, look at the heights to which, you know, look at the height of humility, that humility that can be attained. You know? uh, like, in no sense... Um, you know, does he ascribe anything to himself? Like, you know, in no sense does he see himself as deserved of acclaim. Uh, um, you know, and, and, and debates his own nest con convincingly, you know, in that regard. So, yeah, you know, that's generally Bedouzaman's method. If you want to know who Bedouzaman is, I mean, that probably in a nutshell, um, you know, describes to you who he is. You know, uh, don't worry about me, he'll say, you know, don't, like, in fact, he has said explicitly, I'll finish on this point, you know, he's like, when you read the Risale Nur, he says, right, um, if you see me, like, when you read it, like, if you're kind of reminded of, of, of him, of Bedouzaman, right, you know, if you see me, he says, then um, you're reading it incorrectly, you're not reading it right. Um, when you read this, you should be seeing the Qur'an, like, what should be coming to mind is the Qur'an, is Allah, is his prophet, peace be upon him, right? Um, you shouldn't be in awe of Bedouzaman as you read this. Right? Uh, if that's what's happening, then, you know, you, you've, you've misunderstood its whole point, right? Uh, yeah, so I'll finish on, on that point, guys. Um, yeah, so sorry, uh, this session's been a little bit different to... has run a little bit differently to how we normally run them. We don't normally sort of you know, read it uh, at, at, um, at that sort of length. Um, so, yeah, so I apologise for that if it's been um, 
yeah, a little bit harder to listen to than usual. But um, you know, usually we have a bit more freer and open, uh, a more open discussion. Um, but yeah, any anything um, that comes to mind from you guys? Um, any any sort of questions or um, any comments to make or anything like that? Or uh, I'm just thinking we should probably recite a fatiha for uh, <laughs> Sayyid yeah. for giving us these. Uh, Gems of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do, we'll yeah. do, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, let's mm -hmm. do that. Let's do that now, inshallah. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 do a fatiha, fatiha for for him uh, for for his ruh, inshallah. Okay, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil alamin. 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 Alhamdul